Hey, Tim. Hello, Ryan. And hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 150 of Dismembering Horror, the podcast shoe, where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan. That's right. We dismember a horror film every week. We talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy. We're on a hunt to revisit films we haven't seen for a long time. Uh, Mostly, we end up watching ones we haven't seen. If you're a horror fan, which I'm assuming you are, you know there's a whole lot of horror movies out there. And we're just giving it our due diligence of once a week here, digging through it all to see what we can indeed dig up. Indeed. Sometimes it's gold. Sometimes it's silver. Sometimes, you know, a lot of the times you're just digging through pure mountain. (laughs) As a way to put it. Um, But I think it's always fun nonetheless because the great thing about it is, is the little rocks we dig up along the way, they each have their own story because they're unique, have something to offer, and because they're horror rocks. <laughs> I'm just trying to... This is not working. <laughs> um, they have something to say always about the human condition in an interesting way. Horror rocks. <laughs> and because Tim and I are filmmakers too, uh, we, I guess, I just inherently apply that lens to it. We're just looking at how they all put it together. As I said, what worked and what did not work for us And that's all very subjective. We do not mean to be any sort of authority, though Tim sometimes says he is. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I just, you know, as as the resident authoritarian, yeah, because I really love authoritarianism. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And um, hey, it looks like we've been getting a trickle of uh, new listeners here. So if you're relatively new with us, hey, that's all for you. And the rest of all is to come is for you too. Thanks for- Stop peeing on us what it's a trickle oh uh okay uh well thanks for being here thanks for the golden shower (laughs) all right ryan doesn't like it when i go blue over here no it's just i didn't get the like i don't mind that humor i just didn't get the connection of i mean trickle it's just a word sets you off and then you're off to the that's all it takes off to the pee races (laughs) um great well, for episode 150, halfway through the hundos for us, we went back to, let's see. Oh, we didn't write the year down this time. June, 78, bro. Yeah, 1978. Release date June 9th, 1978 from 20th Century Fox. The sequel to what I think is one of the greatest horror films of all time, right up there with all the greats, Omen, The Omen. We watched Damien, Omen 2. Let's see. Yeah, is that wait, is the omen the omen? Yeah, the omen, but this is omen two and omen three comes afterwards. This not is not the omen. This is Damien omen two. Ugh, how confusing. I think they've got their 
colons just all over the place. <laughs> and <laughs> and I and I'm not talking about punctuation. You know what I'm saying? Oh. God damn it. Um <laughs> no. No, we <laughs> off to a, a great little start. more a little more of an actual pun there. I could appreciate. Um Yes, oh Damien Omen too. I like to go over the credits here. Is directed by Don Taylor with uncredited directing by Mike Hodges, who was on it for about two or three weeks before him and the uh, the producer. Uh, well, it was the producer and him. I should say we're having differences. Producer was not it's not quite stacking up to what he was hoping for. Producer's going to produce. Yeah. So then Don Taylor took over. And that was Harvey Bernard, the producer, and also produced was Charles Orm. Orme. Anyway, screenplay by Stanley Mann. With some uh, by Mike Hodges, too. Story by Harvey Bernard, based on characters created by David Seltzer. Mm. Tim, we get before we get. Into I love more, a good seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> These words with two meanings won't quit. Um, I, I have to be careful, but I can't because there's you too can't. many words in the English language. There's so many words. Uh, it's fun to check in whenever we've rewatched films that we've covered on our show, Tim. So I just watched what is a now annual rewatch for me of Midsommar to celebrate the actual summer solstice. I showed Tim, my friend, this was lending me like the A24 UHD like package. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so nice. <laughs> right, it is. It's really just a thing of wonder. Right, I mean like listen to it. It's it's like... It's the texture what? of the binding to it too is just so lovely. I mean, yeah. yeah, there you go. We got, turn your surround sound up. You know, to mm-hmm. get the full experience here. Anyways, um, like I said in our first episode, which I'll forever be embarrassed. I think we gave it a rent because you're just still digesting it. But I had my rant. Right. My I had my rant then that was like, okay, but you know, my favorite movies. I never know it the first time I yeah. see them because you know, blah 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 takes a while for them just to seep into you and for you to think on it. Best movies kind of do grow on you with rewatches. They get better with rewatches. And boy, Tim, it's I can definitely say the same for this one. I don't know what to say specifically aside from just, I think now I do maybe have a slight edge preference for the director's cut. Just mm, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of just like, yeah, give me more, you know? Sure. <laughs> like, I still haven't seen the director's cut. So. It's, it's, one one thing that I was saying, maybe I like the theatrical cut better, is is it by having less, it almost seemed like kind of longer, dreamy, kind of just like took a spell over you in a way because you weren't getting these sort of like narrative pockets right. as much. Yeah. But this one, it's it's doing that same thing, but I think in a different way. Where like Danny and Christian and ours sort of. Uh, seduction by the cult or whatever you want to call it um whether it's seduction or cult both those words whatever you want to call it we're along for the ride a lot lot more um Hmm. and it just kind of makes their their disillusion of their relationship kind of all that much more tragic I i don't know it's it's cool you get a bit more of like different of their rituals too which kind of helps to like us to sort of get on board with how maybe we could sort of stay there and go along with them when some, you know, there we, we do witness to what end up being, you know, more harmless rituals. So that kind of helps. Anyway, it's just great. Five stars. Buy it. Five right. stars. 
Six stars. <laughs> six out of six, if that's your rating system. But I mean, six I, out of five. I assume it's five. I agree. Great. And I'll, every, I'll watch it again. Yeah, mid, mids, the actual midsummer is a great excuse to watch it, I find, when it's just like, it's still bright out. It's not supposed to be this bright, whatever he says. <laughs> I do feel that now. Like when it's yeah. bright, it's like fuck, the sun's still going down and, and at nine o'clock or whatever. Anyway, great. Great is great. That's what I got with that. Anything else you've got on anything, Tim? Nope. All right. Then with that, how about we watch our trailer? Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> well, I can't either, Tim. Here we go. Trailer for, as I said, Damien Omen 2. The terror of the past is but a taste of the future. What happened before was a hint of the horror to come. The first time was only a warning. William Holden, Lee Grant, Damien, Omen 2. Tell me about Damien. What sort of a boy is he? He's your brother's son. He's a boy you've loved for seven years. Well, you can't believe this. And? It's over. It is a filthy, stupid story, and it's over. The current's got him! You mustn't attract attention. You're not going to treat Damien any differently. You're not going to look at him. You're not going to talk to him any differently. The day will come when everyone will know who you are, but that day is not yet. I know who you are. Say it, Mark. Get Mark away from Damien. Look at me, Mark. Damien, there are things you don't understand. Read your Bible. The first time was only a warning. Indeed. What a warning, though. Because that first one is intense. Yes. What is your relationship with the original Omen? The Omen. I watched it like a number of times when I was probably like, I don't know, 12. Yeah. Or something like that. I, there was a period of time I would say somewhere in the like, oh God, it would have been like, how old are you in fourth grade? I, I feel like we, we've, I think you're eight or nine in fourth grade or something like that. So it would have been after that. So anywhere from 10 to 17 probably was like heyday for me to watch horror films. This was definitely one of them. Not this, but the omen. The and this. Okay, cool. Yeah. So and and now how do you rank or what what do you make of the original The Omen? Like what's your whole relationship with I, it? I have not watched the original one in God, probably 20 years to be honest. Really? I don't think I've gone back to it since I was like Maybe I watched it in that period of time when all I did was watch movies after college. Like there's a two, three year period where it's like that's all I did work and watch movies. Um, I probably did rent it during that era, but I think that's it. That And that would have been about 20 years ago. And I love so that you jump straight to revisiting the Omen <laughs> 2. <laughs> oh, the Omen 2. Damien Omen 2. Um, well, what about you? Did you watch it when you were a kid or do you watch it in adult life? Um, the first one. In between, I guess. Yeah. However you define kid, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I was, no, I was watching our movies and horror movies from a young age. 
though. So I forget when I first saw this one. I could have been pretty young. But definitely me and some of my horror movie friends like from, you know, middle school, high school era, we were super into yeah. both um, The Omen and Damien Omen too. Um, it's, I think the original, yeah, The Omen, as I kind of said up top, I think it's absolutely one of the greats. And horror movies, movies, um, and what makes something one of the greats for me is when it feels like the film takes on like a power outside of the movie. You know, like how The Exorcist, Hereditary, right. whatever. When you watch them, Texas Chainsaw, they feel like evil. Like <laughs> how Alien, just you you feel the movie. It's got this incredible potency to it. You know, I like that word. And same with the original, The Omen. It's God, like it's it disturbs me. Like when when mm-hmm. the 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 caretaker woman, you know, That's like a, that is like what comes to mind immediately when right, I think w- of this movie. When she's oh god, what's the what's the scene in the original when the the music's blasting and she's like looking evil and approaching him as he on the hospital bed or whatever? I forget. It's it's literally chilling, you know. I just I get the like, oh god, like evil exists and is making me feel scared right now and threatened. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really incredible. And from the opening scene of the woman hanging herself, I did this all for you, Damien. Oh right, uh, yeah. It's, it's God. What and the deaths themselves. And oh, well, anyway, I'll get on to about. I'll save some of. What, I need a, for for what worked. Um, I need a clarification though because I. It's been so long that I always forget which movie starts with. Because Bo doesn't the Omen also start with a excavation scene, like an Egypt excavation scene? Um, I don't remember for the Omen. I mean, I'm the pretty, Exorcist does. Yeah, I know for sure. I, I is, is the Exorcist the one where the decapitation happens? Um, no, that's all the original Omen. Okay. So both those movies, I get com- like those scenes in those two movies God. are completely meshed together for me, and I can't remember which is which. God, you should have revisited the Omen for I this should. one. Yeah, well, I like going in uh, clean. <laughs> well, watch it now because it's great. It's been I'd love twenty to years because I'd like to wash my, uh, you know, cleanse my palate of of Damien Omen too. Well, and I can say now that I've sort of told you about my relationship with. The Omen, Damien Omen 2. Similarly, my friends and I just, you know, we're like, oh, well, we gotta, we love the first one so much, we gotta rent the sequel. And it just sort of became one of those sequels for us that was like, it felt like it was, it was just way better than it had any right to be. Sounds like you completely disagree, but we were just so stoked to have a not terrible, like, omen sequel like and and why i wanted to like see like reap so high praise on the original anything i'm saying like i still think this damien is great but it's i guess i don't i don't what what am i trying to say like it's more how great uh the original omen is it doesn't mean that this one isn't also great. It's just a completely different level of greats, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like, my my feeling with the vague memory of all of this, immediately when I started watching this one, I was like, oh, right. You know, my whatever adolescent brain has fond memories of this movie specifically because the seven or eight like big scenes 
are cool in and of themselves. And then the in-between stuff is so is so sort of non it there's nothing it like it doesn't it doesn't evoke anything to me right that like a kid brain just disregards the the non stuff right the 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 in betweens because you're whatever you're doing you're doing kid stuff your brain you're you're eating Doritos or something right like in between waiting for the next cool scene I whereas mean- my adult brain is going oh. I don't this know. Is that, boring. <laughs> your description of a kid watching that's this. That's my that's my kid brain. <laughs> well, no, it's 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 maybe, but it's it describes like how I enjoy this movie, you know? Like <laughs> Fair enough. I wasn't eating Doritos, but whatever else I was eating, you know, like what was all- your well did you have a like a snack? Doritos is like still in my life. <laughs> I still eat Doritos <laughs> on a fairly regular basis. Oh, humor this tangent. Um you mean growing <laughs> up? Yeah. Uh, what I, was your kid snack? I loved coming home after school and having those frozen mini quiches from Trader Joe's. Oh man! And then um, how how decadent? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, frozen mini quiches from Trader Joe's those uh-huh. sound amazing. And um, I was huge. I mean, for a couple years in middle school, I'd come home and have basically like like Oreo cereal. Not act. They did make actual Oreo cereal, but I would take like four to six Oreos and like crumple them in a mug and pour milk in it and just eat that with a spoon. (laughs) So that's what I was doing. It's vegan, so... except for the milk. They are. Oh, Um, well. That was another lifetime ago. So yeah, no, I was just, yeah. So maybe I'll get Oreos for next Omen marathon I have. But we we gotta move on. We gotta curtail this all into our rating system here. Would we tell mm. ourselves to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? You know, I feel like I I feel pretty boring as a raider on this podcast. Because I just pretty much, like, I don't know, I'd have to look at the numbers. But I just think everything's a stream nowadays. <laughs> I mean, just because we're on a string, you doesn't guess, mean it's yeah. like... It feels like it, though. <laughs> uh no, it makes all the non-streams that much more exciting, That's right. right? You know, I will say to uh were you saying this to, uh, in the like when we recorded? I man, my my memory it's it's pretty bad. I can't remember the last 20 minutes. But the <laughs> movies like Alien, Hereditary, Midsummer, The Omen, yeah, you were saying it just a second ago. Like lately tr- the search for for greatness has has uh, exhausted me to the point of I'm like, why am I even trying to watch new <laughs> movies? Like anything I haven't seen. I should just go watch the movies that I know are exceptional. I don't know because... But that's stupid. No, our, but our, I have that feeling. Lately. I feel like our discussions support, you know, kind of why we're here, what we're where it's like we always learn something along the yeah. way by our exact little formula here, what worked, what didn't. No, I know. I know. I'm just saying I I get that malaise, I guess, of of it's it's less about what we've been watching and more about me trying to find something to watch on in my own time. I I've heard less follow-ups from you about like rewatching any of our previous films. Mm. Um but I mean a lot of the times for me it's like that thing that I talk about you know, like I mentioned with those films, it's a it's a power outside of the films or whatever. Like, I don't right. know how to put it. 
I think a lot of the films now that we've rewatched, even if they don't re- maybe reach that level in like a legitimate, you know, level of horror, there's there's something to them. It's the feel like when you said, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd have a the stuff shirt, you know, <laughs> like it's there's there is something sure. great about them, you know, like look at like I just picked I know I, I I've pick- been looking at it, <laughs> Dolly Dearest DVD or Blu-ray, I guess, yeah. But Great. Like, <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever buy that, but like I just have such fond memories of watching it together. I know I have a friend who will appreciate it just as much. I didn't know it had this cool little Blu-ray release to it. So I ended up buying Dolly Deers, which was far from a buy it for me at the time. Yeah. It's you know? a, just a I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just in a weird headspace lately, but like my reaction to watching movies right now is fuck it, I'll just watch Jaws. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I doing? should just watch Jaws again. Pick that up too. 4K. So good. It's a summer movie. So mm. my rating, I'm going back and forth. Like, this was always a total buy it for me. I feel like I would buy it. If Problem with the Omen is they'll always sell it as like the quadrilogy. Like, there's the made for TV fourth one. What? Um, I don't know about this. And then the Sam Neill third one, which I don't remember liking at all. I remember um, disliking the third one. Yeah. So if they were to somehow sell like a like a, a remastered 4K Damien or you know Omen one and two set, hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. I'd buy it. You know, <laughs> but the movie it it does feel more like a rented movie because I, I agree with generally what you're saying. Like the in between scenes, they aren't really doing much. Um. Yeah. I don't know, but. I don't know. I kind of have a soft... I think I'll always have a soft spot for this movie. So I'll just say buy it. I get it. it. I get it. You say buy it. Yeah, I just said buy it. Aggressive. But okay. My soft spots go a long way, Tim. They do, especially in the series realm, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. I get it. (laughs) Man, yeah. You know, I don't know. I'll... And there are some general, like, um, issues with this film people have that I've... uh, I think are actually pluses in a way, which we'll get into for what worked. But before that, we got our summary. So, Timmy, you want you want to help us out with that? What is this film? This film is a God a non editorial uh, um, summary. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> After the events of The Omen, where uh, Roger Thorne, no, what's his name? Robert Thorne? Thorne. Mr. Thorne, Gregory Peck, (laughs) has been killed trying to to murder his own son. Uh, We pick things up pretty much right after. And, uh, And what's his name? The doctor... Bugenhagen, he is imploring another archaeologist to um, get word to the Thorn family. I'm pretty sure that that Bugenhagen scene, it's not, is it that attached to when the killing happens? I thought it happens more attached to when this movie takes place. No, there's a time jump. Oh, okay. So that opening is almost immediately after 
It's like Bugenhagen's Russian back. Got it. Got it. And then they say, I think there's a, you know, a little title. Oh, right, 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 right. Like eight years later or 12 years later or something like that. Yeah. For little Damien to grow up. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's seven years later. Excuse me. That's right. Anyway, so, so we pick it up right away and he's saying, oh my God, we know this thing and like Thorne's dead and, but you know, the Antichrist is here and he's imploring this other, um, archaeologist to get get a message to the new the thorn extended family and um but you know the omen force kills him buries him alive in the tomb of 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 the the beast Mm -hmm. or whatever Anyway, then we make a nice little time jump. And we find out where good old Damien has been living. He's been living with his uncle, Richard, and Richard's wife, Anne, and their son, Mark. And they're men. They're well-to-do. Or Mark. Mark. Yeah, so, you know... He's, you know, he's enrolled in a military academy. This is like upper crust. Uh, yeah, we get the sense he's stationed to sort of like you play play the rules right in this upper echelon world. There's you know, like you're literally gonna... a scene where he says that. Damien says he's like, I've got it all figured out. All you have to do is like keep your back straight and say yes, sir, no, sir, when they ask, but then you can do whatever you want. No, and it feels like because of his rich connections, he's in the world where he's set up to just, you know, be in a high position, government position or something like totally, that. Totally, totally. Yeah. yeah, this is this is so like, precursor to aristocracy right like this that world anyway damien's you know he's this is 12 year old damien he seems older to me but whatever sure they're 12 and uh you know he's weird he's quiet and weird and like what's a good uh a good adjective for him arresting yeah introspective arresting yeah um, and lo and behold, people start a dying around him. So the people the, who start suspecting him. That's right. So the real thrust of this, which I, you know, is sort of the thrust of the first one as well, is that if anybody keys in on who Damien actually is, they die. Now, interestingly, I think the big divergence between the first one and this one is that Damien really isn't doing the killing for the most part in this movie. Whereas in the first one, I feel like he's kind of like doing it. No, they may be in closer proximity, it feels like, in yeah. the first one. But the it's essentially the same. Where it's it's like, the same force. Yeah. Demon force. Devil Brought force. Brought on more so by the... Um, the dogs in the first one and then the, yeah. the raven or crow in this one. Right. So the raven, yeah, that's, yeah, I was into Dave just flying around flapping in people's faces. That's cool. Um, but, you know, it kind of just does its thing. Well, it's, people get close, they die. And he's got like, I think the interesting part about this one is that like there's a lot of people who know what's up. Like they they're protecting him. They're like, one day you'll find out who you are. There's like six people who are like in on it, which is, I think, kind of a cool, creepy, like, I don't know. 
it's like the it's kind of right in line with that whole trope of the 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 dark elite you know the underground dark elite like secret demon whatever this is all verging so much on territory of what worked for me so i want to kind of okay. like okay get so then let's so let's get into it basically uh richard thorne it doesn't want to believe it his wife you know is kind of pulling some strings in the background and uh as thorne comes around to really believing that damien is actually evil um his wife and damien essentially thwart thorn and kill him and burn some stuff down as you do when you're the antichrist and he just you know carries on freeze frame style yeah until he turns into sam neil years later <laughs> that's right two years three years later even though they they do a massive time jump in that one wait what three years later so the third one came out like three years after this oh oh okay yeah, yeah. but they they mess around with time in in this one they don't care right it's the future. It's the 90s or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the third one. But that's the third one. We're here for the second one. All right. That's a good little overview. I mean, we'll, you'll get it's into pretty, more. You know, yeah. you could get into the details, but I think that's that's what works about this is, is each of those death moments and like why to me is the fun of this. Movie. Yeah, it's all set military academy. Yeah. Nice winter house <laughs> they live in. Yeah, the lake house. Yeah, it's fun. Great. All right. Then with that, we shall move on to our next section here. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? What worked? What did work, Ryan? Well, everything that you're kind of describing, it just plugs right into what I would call what works for me so well in this and what worked for me about the original are one and the same, which is the formula. Yep. There is a formula to these films where, like you said, you know, he's got he's got his enemies who we're rooting for to, you know, uh, shed the light on who he is in time. Will they? Will they get to the? Will they convince the father figure in time? You know. So that's the pressure. Then we have his secret allies that we have fun suspecting, and then we have the uh, the deaths along the way that I mentioned of those um, of those enemy of his enemies. And then meanwhile, we have this like sort of straight laced older, reluctant father figure. William Holden. Yeah, so not reluctant to be the father, but reluctant to uh, believe in what's going on yeah. or accept what's going on. You know, real like classic challenge of faith stuff going on. But it's totally the classic kind of archetype who's super fun to see, like, accept something a bit beyond, you know, a media explanation or has these deep, like... I mean, it's, it's so cool that it's, like, born to the mother of a jackal. Like, how... God, I I can't get over how cool that is. Like that that's one of the neatest scenes in the original and I love it how they they mention it and bring it back mm-hmm. in here with the blood work stuff. But that's the thing I was saying that like a lot of people seem to 
you see, uh, oh, it's it's just repetitive, derivative of the first one, da, 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 da. But I'm like, yeah, but this is a horror sequel. And sure, if you aren't going to go the route of like really trying to do something different with it, whatever, whatever, then for something that does operate in essence within its formula, like as a slasher movie, mm. like mm-hmm. it's like when I want a fr- go see a Friday the 13th movie, I want a Friday the 13th movie. Right. Like don't mess with it. That's how I feel about this one. Like uh, that formula I just described, it's it's really, really good. And it's, it, I don't know, it, you could you could make more that just follow it in a way. I think it's really fun. Yeah, I, I think that's sort of like as a kid when I watched this, That's that was the point. That's what the enjoyment was. It's like more of the same with a slight, you know, like let's upgrade a little bit like in the story, but let's still just do the omen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can get behind it. I mean, I... Uh, how do I say things without going into what didn't work? Oh, uh, say what works. Yeah. Okay. So the 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 true strength I I guess I already mentioned to me is that is the formula, is like abiding by the formula and what that means, which is you have people who need to learn the truth, and you have people who are trying to prevent the truth from coming out. And if you try and prevent it, you're probably in danger. Right. That's well, the formula. <laughs> I will say, though, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I agree. Maybe there's some of those in-between scenes kind of lost you or whatever. But the thing is, there is something that's new. There, There is, there are things with this one that are doing the good sequel thing, too, of expanding yeah. on it that I really enjoyed. Like, we have Damien's older wait what yes, you're pointing at me that i'm like yeah i'm oh. with you this is this is the meat i think and of of the story and in what you're about to say Go. yeah yeah just the the stuff of all that comes with it's just right metaphor stuff of being at that sort of young teenage age transitioning There's a lot of good scenes of like oh you're becoming of age now you have to come to terms with that power in the world like yeah. that that's really cool. I mean, that being a, a, you know, the son of the Antichrist or whatever or not, or just the Antichrist or not, uh, that's something that's relatable coming to age. Correct. Oh, I have, I can have sway in this world. What am I going to do with that? Yep. It's, it's good stuff. I think that coupled with the sort of the, the obvious um, sister to that, which is being a parent of a, of a child go like transitioning and like being like oh man this this is no longer really like my kid it is but they're they're turning into their own person they're turning into their own autonomous sort of entity and i think for a lot of parents that's like that is just implicitly scary like it's it's in us to be like concerned about the future of our offspring and so how much do you get your hands in that process or or do you let it be and like i think that there's this really nice foundational uh or almost primal f- like creepiness or fear that we have around like how we interact with our growing children and that's really good baseline to have for for a horror film right that 
the fee- I mean that it deals with and gets into here that yeah I mean I was kind of talking it from Damien's perspective well that's but what you're I'm right, saying those the, two are the same two sides of the same no, coin no, yeah from the parents perspective too who's our other main character here the father figure it's that's a whole different kind of horror of <laughs> being the parent in this situation right um what did I want to say on Damien oh yeah but like then we get some fun scenes in there of Damien reconciling with the fact of finding out who he is. Yeah. Whether it's finding the 666 on his forehead. Um, yeah, I like that scene a lot where he's working it out with Mark, who then ends up dying in that scene mm-hmm. from brain aneurysm or whatever, you know, Damien-induced <laughs> sudden ailment he gets. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm on that scene now. Maybe that's don't mean to veer too much on our thread here. Well. But that... um. Yeah, can I bring up that scene specifically? I think, yeah, because for me, the the biggest strength of the movie is those two things. Mm-hmm. The the how do you as how does William Holden as a uh I guess he's a proxy parent or whatever you would call it. He's the uncle, but he's the dad. Um deal with your growing kid and all of the struggles he's going through and then how do you the growing kid deal with being a growing kid going through those struggles right and i thought this was really interesting where the first one he's such a little kid it's just you are fully playing on the creepy little quiet kid idea you know it's exactly you don't have sympathy for him which we do in this one and that's what's so interesting with this one is you're riding that line between feeling for him and his position just as a kid as a person who's like also an actual person yeah but then we know god i mean he's the antichrist it's scary (laughs) i love i love this theme in general in anything where it's like do we have a choice as people in in the outcome of our our whatever our personalities like do we have free will or are we bound by you know, the the thing that's set out in front of us. And I think that's such a fun thing to explore and to watch a character go through. Because, like, the the inherent drama within that or the conflict within that question can it could go a long way. Well, that and that's, that's where a lot of the horror comes from in this as far as within the characters reacting to them is, oh, like... Like, no matter what, maybe that, you know, even if there's the part of them that wants to believe, maybe, you know, we can save him. There's always thought, he, but but yet he is the Antichrist. He contains evil in a way that's beyond, beyond. So, or so he's being told. So, so yeah, I mean, so it's just, it's cool how we see, though, that leads to these leaps being taken by the first and the second one. That means we must kill him with these daggers. Right. There's no, which is also horrifying to think the father killing his kid and, murdering a child with knives but yet i don't know but there's that part of us too it's like yeah but he's evil (laughs) like and i don't know it gets into this interesting idea which i feel like i don't know i feel like it's pretty contemporary too and people are grappling with that phrase like toxic people is being tossed around a lot Mm -hmm. and i think that can be a pretty dangerous term if it's not looked at nuancedly Mm -hmm that, you know, it can kind of reinforce the idea that, oh, there's there's bad people and there's good people yeah. in the world. So now we just have to make, since, okay, maybe I don't want to kill the, all the toxic people, maybe we should just put walls around them, put them in the island, whatever. Right. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, we know. Yeah, there's the, it's always a bad outcome when you start looking in that sort of like <laughs> black and white way. Right, which which is cool to see the characters struggling with this and this. And I love that scene with uh, Mark and Damien the Snow where we feel Damien going, saying to Mark, pleading with Mark saying, but you're like a brother to me. You are my brother, Mark. But Mark's like, "Uh uh-uh, dude, you're a Satan kid. I can't deal. But you just, it just made me wonder, well, like, what if rather than doing that, Mark was like, okay, like, I see you're dealing with this. I'm going to, I, I don't know the outcome, so I'm going to stay by your side. Yep. And then he, unfortunately, he gets the immediate repercussion of not doing that, which is the the magic murder. But... I, yeah, I just think that this whole, it's such a great construct because the answer, theoretically, <laughs> is to not threaten the the grizzly bear, right? Like, don't threaten the grizzly bear. Don't, don't try to kill the grizzly bear. Yeah, there's so much fun. Don't let him catch you. Yeah, like, stay out of his way. Like, when that one guy arrives. He's a grizzly bear. He's like, he's he's gonna, he's gonna kill things. When what's-his-face arrives at the end, and, you know, it has to play it cool in front of him. Oh, uh, uh, hello, Damien. Um, I'm just here to see your father, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's this whole, this whole, premise of like do you like how do i describe this i just think it's really fascinating um it's it's kind of hard to articulate why is it hard to articulate they're presupposing evil yes it's a good way to put it and making the decision that the only answer is to destroy the presupposition of evil but like it's it's still a presupposition right well yeah because that gets into that horror of like and this actually is they're all telling damien that yeah, he's evil this is part of it's, my, so, it's like self-fulfilling prophecy stuff the, uh, a lot of horror the exploits this and stuff that we've watched obviously too it plays on the idea this could be part of my toxic people rant too but like like how you just put it there, there's a lot of time. I think when people want to like, you know, just like, wait, how did you just put it? So about presupposing evil. Yeah. evil. That in a way, when you say that, yeah, that assumes looking at evil outside of you. Here it is. Let's cut it off at the source. But it overlooks the fact, no, evil exists in all of us. And it's just a matter of learning to be in the world and hopefully right you're in good circle. whatever whatever you, it may be you can argue that it's pretty evil to want to kill a teenager yeah or preteen i guess he's 12 but you know just the idea like good bad it's the human experience where nature it exists full spectrum mm-hmm. in everyone that's why and prison I think, prison constructs are really messed up too right it, well, it's it's. But I feel like when you're obsessed, then with the idea of they're the evil ones, kind right. of thing, it can be dangerous when you don't acknowledge. When that's almost being, you get the sense that that's most passionately being used when it's used sort of as a sort of hard form of denial about that mm-hmm. own evil within oneself. Yeah, like having. I don't know. I I believe in the idea that, in spite of evidence 
that suggests that when you offer kindness, most of the time it is, you know, either disregarded or like it doesn't have the the desired outcome because pe- humans are going to do what humans are going to do that you're unlikely to sort of like sway the the common outcome because you offered kindness i just i just i i resist that uh sort of the the edict i guess of like don't even bother with the kindness because we know that the outcome is going to be x so deal with the presumed outcome that we are are making and you see that interpersonally with our quote-unquote factions as well yes you see it all over the place and so i resist that because personally i want to at least do the first thing give it a chance even though i know the, the most likely outcome is that this won't work. Well, it's like, what has every single like movie book ever been about? But like <laughs> trying to get people to feel comfortable with that idea. Right, <laughs> right. So I still do it. I did it the other day, you know? Like, like it's not, just because that's how Disney movies that work and hit us that way, Pixar's movie, it's not mm-hmm. for no reason. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's this, these things deeply ingrained in us that are stories we've seen, you know? It's telling. So like, What's so good about, I think, the construct of this movie is that literally nobody is is giving him a chance. Well, it's because anyone helping him is far on the other side. That's right. <laughs> it's just, right. you just have sides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's cool. Like, you want to you wanna hard and fast, like, good versus evil construct. This is it, right? Yeah. There is no, there's nobody who's gray in this movie except for Damien. Yeah. Which is smart, right? He should be the one in this context going through the thing and being the one who's great and ultimately having to decide, am I going to become the thing I'm being told I am or am I going to fight against it? You could say that Richard Thorne, the uncle father figure, he's he's about being that transition. Yeah. So we do catch him in sort of the, the in-between points. We do eventually, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think he spends the vast majority of the movie being on the, like, you're all crazy. What are you talking about? Damien's great. Well, I feel like I got a lot more I want to talk about here. So to get out of the way, I almost wanted to say this up front, up front, but with these, these two, these first two, at least I haven't seen the third one in a long time, Omen movies. The music, man. Jerry Goldsmith's score. Goldsmith. Holds it. Talk about. He's, uh, he's the man. Delivering power, uh, God, the score is so good. That the theme, the Ave Satani theme, it's just, it's just, oh, you just <laughs> chills every yeah, time great. you first hear it. It's really incredible. I'm so glad it, even just the kind of sounds, the like, like the kind of hit mm-hmm. that happens in that sound, that's kind of like, there's like a clickiness, but that at the same time, a like a wompiness. You know, like whatever that is is amazing. Um, it just gets you so juiced up every time that that raven appears. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love it so much. Yeah, it's great. And then um, other just big ones, you know, easy ones out of the way. The actors and the casting. I think great, great, great. Mm. Uh, William Holden was actually considered, or they offered him the original one. So oh, he kind okay. of was like, "All right, yeah, I'll do an Omen movie now." Um, but he's great. He just 
just kind of like Gregory Peck in this great yeah. that same way, you yeah. know, old fashioned father figure, sweaters, you know, <laughs> <laughs> deal yeah. with that. Um, Lee Grant also is, you know, great, who ends up being um, one of Damien's protectors. Right. So fun. And then, uh, gotta mention probably. Lance Henriksen as Sergeant Daniel Neff. What a pleasant surprise to be <laughs> reminded that he's in this movie. Right. Like, such a, gr- I mean, I just love Lance Henriksen. I he's, think he's awesome. And he, he can play that kind of, um, that kind of Damien helper mm-hmm. figure too, where it's so like understated. It's yeah. just like only in the Lance Henriksen way where it's just, oh God, you just know he's thinking so much more than you can see. Yeah. Who else? And it's fun in the military character specifically. Yeah. And then, I mean, then fan favorite, bringing him back at the beginning, Bugenhagen. (laughs) He's just like, he's like one of the best. I mean, the original is just all the best parts are the best parts, but him him included. So just to even have that little bit of him just as sort of the tying thread, Mm -hmm. like he's the only actor out of anyone in all the Omen movies to appear in two of them. So he really is our connective thread here between the first and the second and just him doing his thing like nobody better just to watch like rushing around in a jeep into a cave you know oh god he's just this is one of those people who's fun to watch uh i don't know try try to do good and just his frenzied way all that yep yep what else you got nothing on that I, you know who you i don't, like what, you like boogenhagen what I like Dr. Charles Warren. Wait, but what about Bugenhagen? Bugenhagen's fine. I, I have, I'm reserved. You gotta see I the have, first one again. You got, I know, I'm reserving my commentary. <laughs> Watch the first one. Bugenhagen's awesome. And just that we got more of him is great. Okay, now, who do you like who's not Bugenhagen? I like the Charles guy. He's in he's in some other stuff. I just like him as a as like an actor character. Like his demeanor. His he's whole, the one his who thing. who shows him at the train at the end. Who's like kind of most yes. on. Who's most successful in swing? Yep. Richard. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. The actor's name is uh Nicholas Pryor. Um. And then I mean yeah, got to mention then. Little Damien Thorne played by Jonathan Scott Taylor. Like you said, yes, is perfectly cast as, uh, yeah, it has an arresting gaze. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Yeah. But then, yeah, did well. But then you could also see him just kind of trying to be a normal kid too, you know, with his buds and all that. So, yeah. So can you remind me, did the first Omen take place in England? Or is it in the States? I, it was in the States, yeah. And is... Gregory Peck British in it at all? Like, does he have an accent? I don't think so. So why the hell does Damien have a British accent? Uh, like, what's going uh, on with that? You know, I, don't I was know. always confused by it. I was like, is this just his way of speaking? Like, they, I mean, the the actor is British, so whatever. But you know like, why? that's not. It's so he can say Mark. Mark. Yeah, <laughs> that's the why. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Just a curiosity to me. I don't know. I forget. Um. Yeah, man. I mean, everybody else is just sort of solid in their <laughs> No, no, I didn't want to dwell and act. It was just sort of like a thing to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. But what I would love to dwell on is the kills. Yeah, I think that's appropriate. Can we go I down them, Tim? I think that's the Tim? whole movie. 
It's really just about the kills to me. Is the first one the woman with the red dress who's the who's the sister well, of the, the first photographer? One is Bugenhagen and oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. The, the other archaeologist. Well, yeah, that was a great scene. Like to be trapped in that cave, that was done it's really ups- well. Where like unpleasant first, for me. you know they. They get that front air trapped. And then once they get up to like where they're blocked in, then they get blocked in behind them. And yep. then it's just this horrific <laughs> live caving in. Yeah, this live Ooh. burial. Uh, oh, yeah, God, really I effective. Like I, I don't like it. I mean, I like it, but I don't like it. That's why I like it. <laughs> right. And then we have the woman in the red dress. That seems right. Yeah. So she's a colleague of those guys, I think, right? She's, she's been yeah, excavating and she was, I think, did she say she was the sister of was it is it the oh, guy that may be, of yeah. David Warner who's like the photographer in the first one? I forget. One of It's something like I think, that. I think that's might have been what it was. But to my God, her <laughs> I those shots of the Raven are incredible. Like the close up of its eye. Yeah. And the way they got the the animal action combined with the stunt work, combined with just, I thought it was brilliantly edited. Like it really, it it didn't feel fakey. You felt mm-hmm. like the the visceralness of just this, she's getting her eyes clawed out on the side of the road. And uh, I, so, so well done. And then just with that, that big finish with the truck hitting her, when you see her pecked out eyes bleeding, standing there. It's, it's also great. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I, I, my reaction, and maybe I sort of said this before, but my reaction to watching this movie was like, uh, vague memory, vague memory. Oh, kill. Oh, yeah, I remember this kill, right? Oh, like every single time right. I was like, I remember the kills. That's what is really, really implanted in my memory. Well, but I, I, did, speaking of that, I did just forget the one before, which where the raven shows up in the middle of the night to oh, right. su- summon yeah. in Aunt Marion's demise. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Of course. That one's fun, too. I like that actress's performance. She's <laughs> she's just very determined to be like, listen to me. Sylvia Sidney. Yeah. Great. And then, so then after the, the IPEC <laughs> um, truck death, What's next? Um, oh man, let's see. De- uh, Doctor the Frozen Paz- Lake, Pazarian, right? I it, think. Then it's the Frozen Lake death, which was that's the one that everyone remembers. I feel like I remember that one for sure. God, I mean, they yeah, they. I didn't want to jump ahead to things or no, but I guess I am. They really like filmed someone under there, like under the ice, like that for thirty feet traveling. That wasn't a set. <sighs> That is so uncomfortable <laughs> for me. Like just the idea well, of that. What what's so effective? I've had that nightmare. God, I mean, that's what it is. It's just this kind of universal drowning nightmare. But yeah. I think what makes it so special is a weird way to put it. Horrifying, special in its horrifyingness. You you can relate to the horror of being on either side of that. You know, of seeing someone and being helpless to do something about it. But then but then that just makes it so when you're the one underneath, it's all that much more horrifying to just sort of like, I don't know, feel feel like, why can't I be one of you right now? You know, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's really horrifying. Yeah. And just, oh, it's freezing cold. Ugh. I didn't quite catch, was there a reason that he, that, was the guy like who what was the importance of that person he's a who is he to to them 
Like he didn't seem like somebody who was on to Damien. He was, was he? the one who is um you know, we haven't talked yet about the whole side of the company and what they were doing for. So he was the one who was like a threat to the company in a way, trying to be more moralistic. I see. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because there's this whole other sort of, I don't know, sea story angle of like making sure that this company, Thorn Industries, prospers so that it can be passed on right. to Damien. Which because, I want to get into yeah. a bit too. Okay, but cool. For uh, these deaths here. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that actually sort of does lead us to one of the next deaths, which is the the school uh, field trip to Thorn Industries, where they get to see the inner workings. And then, like, you know, Satan has his way, I guess, and p- bursts a pipe or two. And I actually quite enjoyed this scene. Yeah. The, uh, the stunt and the, like, <laughs> over-the-top, Ness to it was really fun. The guy like getting blown, blown off the scaffolding or whatever. Yeah, the the makeup job was really good of some, someone looking like he was just injected with noxious poison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and a bunch of people die. Obviously, yeah. all of the students. This is this to me is kind of one of the cooler like uh, pushes the story forward kills because the other ones are kind of like okay yeah that person died that's mysterious and weird but this is the one that actually has consequences for damien by not uh suffering any toxic sort of um you know injury from the fumes where all of the other students had it a little bit the doctor's it forces the doctors to kind of look deeper into damien's biology and that becomes a big clue for Thorn, Richard Thorne, to be like, he's different, something's up, right? Because they see that in his chemistry, his cells are actually different than anybody else's. Well, that's where you bring back, which again, I just love so much. He's part jackal. That's right. So this is, that to me is like, that turn is really kind of where the the movie, for me, takes off and it happens kind of late in the movie and we have the doctor who discovers all that my favorite (laughs) that's the elevator death it's the greatest thing ever. that's maybe that it's that or and or the uh the frozen lake one that is the part everyone remembers this one for me is really the one that stands like it's it stands the test of time well what do you love about it so much tim it's ridiculous first of all and i love it's the level of just insanity that it has. Because it's not, yeah, because we kind of think it's maybe just the elevator's going to crash to the ground. Sure. But no, 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 no. And they're just, they're they're doing like the true sequel, let's like up the ante in every way. It's the way you, because we first have <laughs> the suspense of the elevator falling. Okay. And then that moment of maybe we're okay. But then when that cable snaps, we just feel it all over again. And we're just yep. yelling like, move, move. You know? Well, it's so perfectly presented too for us to be like on the roller coaster ride, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's, a, it's a masterful, re, uh, like, uh, what is it called? Um, uh, reversal sort of setup where it's like, Oh, he's okay. He got away from Damon. Oh, Damien. Oh no, the elevator's crashed. He's not okay. Oh no, the elevator it it stopped. He's okay. 
oh no, this, that cable just broke. Oh no, like maybe he'll be okay because he can get out of the way. Oh no, he can't get out of the way. How we feel it coming where we just know <laughs> how he's sitting on the floor, yeah. like just spread out, just setting himself right up for getting it right where he does down the middle. Man, it's a good, and they really, they lean in on the effect. They they show quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, and that's, <laughs> it's kind of like the equivalent of the, the decapitation in the first one yeah. where we cut to the slow-mo feels like we have a couple different angles really yeah, yeah. highlights it beautifully <laughs> yeah that one's good but it's like i think like i said the what what's good about that portion of the movie is that it's not just a kill yeah. right there's implication there's sort of like it pushes the story forward this is the guy who's finding out the thing you know that's really gonna cost the players in this the story. And then we have the train death, which is just like, <laughs> it's so funny. Like at this point in the movie, when we get to that train yard, it's just setting up like all these big trains and like that, that, um, that massive like lift crane thing that's like carrying, um, a, a back of a truck. What are right, those right. That's, it's, it's just like, we just know it's like they aren't trying to be shy about like setting uh, it no. up. Like it's so much that we almost think there's going to be maybe like a reversal that nothing does happen. Right. I mean, this but whole, then, that whole sequence is literally what the final destination movies are based on. Right. right? It's like, we're going to show you all of the possible ways they can die and then go and do a different one. And then we have, what is this? Dr. Warren's the guy who dies in the scene. Um, yeah. Whatever his name you is. You mentioned earlier. Who's just the only verge? He's about to show. He's gonna show um, uh, Richard the painting with Damien on it. But he can't. He can't. He's his. He you know he he is his own demise, right? Because he can't go in and look at it himself. But had he gone in, he would have been fine. Right. He's got to. He's got to lay lay back and like sit on the coupling of the train. It's so great because he's. He see he like knows he could get it like every he's like we're with him when he's yeah. like oh my god that thing over there oh god <laughs> he's like trying to be so careful yeah. but then the way he still gets it it's gruesome because the sort of like like where where the two that were train cars hook with yeah, each the, other the coupling it's like a claw almost. yeah the way that it's not like a flat clean thing it no. just makes the death like that much more unique somehow yeah. that he's just sort of gets a, a jumbled smush between two yeah. train cars. Well, and they they beautifully start the scene with two cars yeah. uncoupling so just, or coupling <laughs> together, I think. I can't remember which. So, so we go, oh, okay. So we could really just imagine it's, for ourselves. Imagine put it in our brains first. Yeah, what a person it's in so that good. would do. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and I thought that scene was fun too. Just the moments, you know, where where Richard finally does see the painting and have the moment to himself. Like, that's fun. It's satisfying. Yeah. It's great. And then our last does to end the movie, or conclusion. Mark. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about Mark. His death is kind of whatever. We I mean, it's more it of an emotional moment. Yes, we already went over that scene. Um, and then, yeah, and then, okay, now the, the ending, which we have Anne uh, betraying, in a way, her husband, who is our hero here, if you want to. Again, it's muddled. He's about to kill. He's yeah. trying to kill a kid with daggers, but hero in a certain sense. Uh, so Burdened he's stabbed. Richard's Richard stabbed. But maybe my, my like you know they're the big obvious ones that we said uh, the fan favorite deaths. But if I had to like pick a personal favorite, there's something about like uh, Anne Thorne, Lee Grant as Anne Thorne. Like I love it in these movies when we have the. 
than the the mother figure going full crazy. Yeah. And so her getting blown up slash burned and the way she screams Damien like two <laughs> times, it's, I love it so much. The best example I could think of to what it's doing because it's so hard to describe is in Superbad when Bill Hader is the cop, like when they're doing the donuts outside yeah. with McLovin and like, he's not even in the car, McLovin, but I think he just yells like Bill Hader just yells, McLovin! Like <laughs> yeah. it's just some weird like <laughs> like yelling to the god of McLovin. Like, I don't know. It's so funny. Yep. So to have her just yell Damien, she's not, it's almost like a kind of ecstasy. I don't know. It's so good. I I can't get over how much I loved her going evil and the way she screams Damien. So satisfying yeah. and crazy lady fun. Yeah, so in this in the Wikipedia it says Anne is consumed in the flames as was her prophesized fate. There's the whole thing about the the different oh god what was it? It was brought up at one point like there are the different protectors who all have who like fulfill these different roles. I forget what it was. Who describes that? Is I forget. it Char- Charles it's, or yeah. or the or is it the crow lady who gets plucked out she i don't remember i don't remember it being said but i'm obviously it's in there i just i missed it but that's cool but you know that her screaming damien right can you help me describe why it's so good do you know what i mean at all you know it's so good because (laughs) it kind of reminds me of um Who's the guy who played Hercules on the TV show? Kevin Hercules. Sorbo. Yeah, Kevin Sorbo. Do you know this little anecdote of, you can look it up. It's it's hilarious. He, during filming at some point, he misread his script that said a line and then in parentheses it says disappointed, meaning that's how his character should feel in this moment. But he, for some reason, just misinterpreted that. And in the take, he, he says his line and then he like looks real serious like he's doing his acting and then he turns and he looks to the sky and he goes disappointed <laughs> which it's got that feel to me yeah. where it's just like it's so overdone and like over the top and ridiculous i love it <laughs> actually it's another way this is see yes there, there's something in that as well as there's something in that reminds me of it too um when in season one of the next generation when Riker is stuck on a planet <laughs> and he yells like anybody yeah. and it's just perfect. But there's, there's with him and Kevin Sorbo, there is a meaning attached to it, but you're right. There is still like an energy there. Yeah. But the, there's the lack of meaning, clear meaning that's on top of it. That it happens here in, um with in, in Damien as well as in a uh, super bad. <laughs> what it is. Superbad is, I think, almost in a way making fun of this type of thing. But what it really does feel like to me, this is the kind of thing that an actor does when they don't actually know what the hell they're doing. Like they're having a moment that they're like, I know what the script says, but it just, I can't, no, I can't, I, I don't get, know. I can't get no. to the thing that I think it needs to be. So I'm going to do this other thing. No, man, I, I disagree. <laughs> Bill Hader is an amazing actor. And Lee no, Gr- I'm not. I'm saying his thing is is on point. Like it, it works because it is satire. No, I no, I think both him and Lee Grant, that movie, it's not like goofy satirical th- stuff going on in Superbad. I think both Bill Hader in that moment and Lee Grant 
in this. They're genuinely summoning, acting, giving great performance of just <clears throat> some kind of crazed, ecstatic moment and release released in screaming of someone's name. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the best way to put why I think it's so good <laughs> to me. Yeah. I'll get, I'll allow it. Ding, ding. <laughs> all right. And then um, those are all the deaths. The last stuff that I had that worked for me, this movie that we already mentioned, I loved all the, uh, I guess, I don't know, more metaphor going on, but just the, the implications of uh, the company, the industrialists, who are in the poison business and only framing things a certain way. We get, it's a sort of the epitome of the, you know, profit over people kind of system. That's the true evil. (laughs) Well, it's, it's weird. It's, it's less like it's the true evil, but just to sort of, here's another place it exists. And it's just, it's a fun, it was a really fun decision. Extension of evil, let's put it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It, It was a, I think it was smart to sort of put Damien in this world. Yeah. You know, something that was so clearly just, yeah, as I said, that industrialized, uh, rampant, rampant, uh, for-profit capitalism, um, corporatism, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And the, the, one of my favorite quotes in it, I actually, I did a recording of it here to play for you, Tim, just because I thought this was like, like, really? Could, like, could you be any more obvious? Here, they're, when um, they're getting the tour at the plant, they're just so proud what they're doing. We are now about to enter a highly complex experimental area where the use of uh, toxic chemicals, we hope, will one day feed the world's hungry. (laughs) Yeah, we hope. We hope toxic chemicals will feed the world's hungry. (sighs) Oh man. It's like says it all. It really does say it all. <laughs> fucking God. That's the approach yep. to the world. Great. Sure is. Uh I mean that's pretty much it for me, man. Yeah, me too. All right. Then well, I guess then with that, we'll move on to our next section. Tim's favorite section. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> In a way, what you've just played encapsulates what doesn't work for me in this movie. <laughs> it's like all of the side stuff, although I think is in the right realm of the idea and the metaphor and like what the the aim or the goal of those things are i think the execution of all of those scenes is just super lame like it feels like filler like it feels kind of lazy where they're like well we need these other scenes so let's just you know throw them together and it, throw they, them in i think the issue is they feel too separate they feel they're missing the tension that mm-hmm. we're ramping up in some way yeah. like like the first going to be hard too and maybe this is good to mention here in this section like yeah i gave this a buy but again like the original elements it's on a completely different level yeah so like it's more says about what i'll buy and like you said <laughs> right the series uh goes a long way um but 
Yeah, no, no. What was I saying with that? Yeah, no, because the, the original, it had, you always got the sense of the ramping up of the tension, whether in all these side scenes felt more active and clear and like a good, a well-paced trajectory of the father figure's um, denial into awareness, into acceptance, or denial into questioning, into right. acceptance. The full, uh, the full gamut of that, that truth runs, right? right? First you make fun of it. First you deny it, then you make fun of it, then you accept it as truth. Well, here's, I think we are landing on the quintessential flaw in this movie that the first one did not have. Who's the main character of this movie? I mean, I already kind of said it earlier. I think you have two main characters, Damien and the father figure. Right. Who's in the scenes that have anything to do with the corporatism? Oh, yeah, just Damien. Uh, no, both of them. It, it's He's like, neither of them? What do you mean? Mostly neither of them. There's this other dude who's running the corporation who's like a Damien. But he's always talking on the phone with him. And- right, but kind of vaguely not really like there's no tension in those scenes because it's this like removed thing where thorn is like come on just run my company the no, way no, i want you to yeah and da- damien's never really around except for on the field trip but even then it's like it's all very like it's too disconnected yeah and i think part of the 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 flaw within that is that i think it's a dangerous or tricky thing to have two main characters um and get it right like that's hard to do well and so for me gregory peck is he the whole movie is gregory peck in the first one the whole movie you never are not you're never really away from him everything funnels to how this is affecting his life oh yeah i guess yeah where i was just coming from if uh, there there was any pushback, where I don't think it's because it's a dual protagonist that's an issue. Because I could see this being done really well where we're sort of with both characters, you know, where we get a little more sympathy with Damien. Um, that probably, you know, that, um, uh, I keep forgetting his name, that Richard is also going through. And it clashes in their finale. That, it, it just kind of comes out of nowhere too. Like that... For me, it's more just that whole ramp up isn't there. It just well, that's kind of- what I mean is that I think that in 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 more skilled hands, you would have that component and you would feel the ramp up being sort of built into the the interwoven with the two trajectories of the two main characters if you're going to do it that way but this it, it's it's loosey-goosey it's a little kind of like you got scenes that don't have either of them that are about you know kind of vague almost like i guess expositional stuff or like it's just kind of plot talking stuff no, you're right. It feels it doesn't quite coalesce into a like, oh, we're all moving in this one direction thing. Yeah. I mean, if if you I guess this is why the way I keep looking at it from like, well, first just sort of like, you know, look at it like you're com- composing music or whatever. Like there's gotta be a flow to it. And look at and the the flow I'm talking about is that exact uh trajectory of denial to questioning to acceptance of <laughs> Damien's evil. It's kind of feels like it's mostly just the denial and then kind of a little, little bit of the questioning that comes way too late. Yeah. 
And then we're just right into the ending all of a sudden, and it just doesn't have the same impact. So then, so I'm saying you just sort of <laughs> know how that should be, and then we're to map it over the movie and then make sure that's reflected. I feel like that's kind of, yeah. I don't know, at least how it can think of approaching yeah, it. And, I just think it doesn't quite work the way it could or should. I don't know. Um, and it gets murky and you've got kind of these sub characters that are like, it's cool to know that you've got these other characters that are all Damianophiles or whatever Damianites. Uh, but Damian like, but they don't do anything, right? <laughs> like they, none of them really help him along. Like there's no real moments of, there's just a lot of them looking at each other like knowing. Yeah, me. and not a lot of payoff too, where I feel like for every time we get one of um, Damien's enemies who we're rooting for, you know, gets their comeuppance, we want the sort of exposure of his helpers where right. they sort of, we see them make an active turn and sort of, um, or not not turn where they all of a sudden become obvious yeah. in their ways and in a more immediate threat. Like how great would it have been to have like, the scene where Lance Hendrickson kind of like has some sort of, you know, tries to tries to force something through or or go after Richard or something like that. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, there's so much in how I I feel like you're so close to having all the really awesome stuff and it never quite gets there. So, but the big thing to me is that, or the big pathway I think that that they miss on is for me, the movie should be the second half of this movie should have been the whole movie, which is weird stuff is happening around Damien and we see it all through his eyes. They made the, what I think the big mistake of this movie is that they tried to do that and the first movie at the same time they used the constructs of the first movie and the disconnection that we feel in the first movie from Damien as a little kid and have the movie, the thrust of the movie or the thrust of the plot being seen through the father figure. And that's not really what this movie should be in my mind. The movie in its core, like fundamental, like, story is a kid learning who he is going from a child who doesn't have really a care in the world to discovering who he is the whole movie should be that and you can have the thorn father figure character interwoven but the core of the movie i think should really be damien's experience who are his allies? Who are his enemies? And have those things flip and turn on their heads and whatever and have him have the discovery of who he is and have to go through, you know, he should discover who he is. I think I can't remember where it happens in this one, but I think he should really discover who he is at the midpoint of this movie and then have a real, like all of the leading into the turn into the third act should be him grappling with that reality and how he's going to deal with it. And then the third act should be the battle of whether or not he's going to be evil and the father figure being the person who he's battling with. And it's not a physical battle. It's, this is a psychological battle of, of free will and love and evil. And all of those things can 
end badly. They do. But man, don't you want to see the people that Damien has um, sort of sided with who he thinks are his allies in the fight for what he thinks is right be revealed as Satanists and have Lance Henriksen and the guy who runs the company and uh, Anne and whoever else like fucking show up in their robes and be like ceremony time. Like I want that. I want to see the Antichrist have to meet up with his followers and have them go, okay, now it's time, bro. Like do, do the, do the deed, have him have to like, stab his father and have his father well richard like do a reversal do mirror the first movie a little bit more so that damien has to choose at the end to carry out this final sort of like coming of age ceremony to accept or not accept who he is and that to me would be exciting because like what if he hesitates what if you know, Richard has to plead with him and like gets under his skin a little. Like we get some real deep conflict in who Damien is going to become. Having said all that, that's probably not what the novel is. So whatever. There's a Damien Uh, Omen 2 novel. Isn't this all based off of a a novel series? No, no. Oh, it's not? Okay, well then forget forget that. I guess The Exorcist is, and I'm just assuming this was too. Like let's, mirror the the thing if we're gonna do it like let's do more don't just rehash like it's cool to see Anne turn on her husband but how much cooler would it be if her husband shows up and she's in the robe it's like or whatever the scenario is like (laughs) it's like it's so kind of lame to me that they're just like where even are they they're in the the they're in the museum the museum means it like kind of means nothing, right? Have them, I don't know, have them be in Egypt or wherever. Like have like have a finale for fuck's sake. This just is kind of like, well, to pull him pull him out of his school ceremony and tell him to come to the museum. Who cares? And here we are. Like the first one, it's in a church. <laughs> He's gonna kill a, a toddler, essentially, in a on the the whatever it's called on the the thing uh, the where what where priests stand I don't know I, I I never went to church what what is it called on the stage <laughs> church you know like he's gonna stab a little kid we even in that movie we're going oh wait I don't think I'm okay with this like what if he's not the antichrist yeah we don't get any of that in this. And I think it it's right there for the taking. It's so like you can stare. Yes. Why didn't we do it? I agree so I'll much. Write that movie. <laughs> I agree so much more could have been done with the setting at the end. Even just having that painting involved. I mean, whatever. Specifics aside, yeah, agree. And then yeah, totally. I mean, I think you really said it with um it, he doesn't make that the ending should be about or Anywhere, at least have the moment and have there be repercussions where it's about the choice he makes one way or the other. The sense that we get watching it is that once Mark betrays him, and this is just my memory, maybe I did miss something along the way, but how I remember it right now watching it this last time was as soon as Mark betrays him, Damien's mind is made up. He's betrayed. Now he's kind of just kind of going along with the evil thing. Yep. Yeah, I mean, here's... This is not a... um unique plot construct 
it's Revenge of the Sith, right? It's the fall of Anakin Skywalker. It's the exact same thing, right? And what works about that, even though I don't like the prequels, but what works is that we have this incredibly emotional battle between the father figure of Anakin in Obi-Wan and they have to like grapple with that together and it's for all its sort of things that don't I think work at the very least in the performances of those two actors battling emotionally about who they could have been and the decisions they could have made and their failures and their, you know, stance in what, how things turned out, it's incredibly emotional. We do not get that in this movie, and this is the movie for it, right? Like, you could also do, well, it doesn't matter. I was going to go into more Star Wars and, you know, uh, comparisons, but it's, William Holden going, you are the chosen one. Yes. I mean, really, like, or something to that effect, right? Like, have Damien saying, you were supposed to protect me. You're supposed to be my dad. Like, I didn't have a dad. And you were supposed to be the one. And now you're, you want to kill me? Or, like, you think that it's I like shouldn't be somebody? They blew that somebody? all with Mark him saying, but Mark, you're my brother. There was yeah, never it's any. Like, whatever. Mark hey, doesn't know shit from Shinola. Right. Like, there, it should be more about, hey, but you're supposed to be my father, uncle. <laughs> right like you you agreed to to take that role on for me and now you're trying to kill me like what the hell man that would be a scene that would be conflict and yeah. we don't get any of that like have you could do what harry potter does too in a way right where you know you have Draco, when it comes time to it, let's say, you know, the analogy is that Draco and Damien are the same kind of construct. When it comes to Damien having to kill his father figure, having the in the secrets, in the in the in the shadows person who you thought was on their side, carry it out for him, like having Anne be like, he's not ready and she kills William Holden. Like, you can do all of that in front of Damien. Have that be this, like, oh, shit, we've, now we've decided who's on whose side right now. That's intense. And Damien has to go, oh, wow. Like, I thought I wanted to do that, and I found out I couldn't do it, but then she did it. This is the world I'm living in now. Like, this is who I am. That's dramatic and intense and cool, and that's why it's in these other movies that work. So, I don't know. It was hard for me. It was disappointing in a way to watch it this time because I, on top of the 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 nostalgia of all of the kills and all of the fun of that, I was like, oh, damn. But they, they kind of missed the shot on having this underlying, like, plot stuff that could have been really exciting. I mean, yeah, that's what the section gets down to. For us, what did not work, it's kind of could also be called the version we wish could have <laughs> That's right. you know or the things yeah you know what could have been yeah exactly anyway but that's really it for me i mean everything else is sort of nothing isn't working because it's of its era and it's fun and you know well i'd usually you know that that kind of excuse a lot but i don't know if it excuses for me 
at the party scene, that stock rock music that was playing. It was so bad. Party scene. Remember where he's like talking to the two girls and like, (laughs) it's like this weird like ball that they're kind of having like with the military academy before Lance Hendrickson calls him (laughs) over. And there's this, this, the... This is like the worst like stock music track is playing. Like, where, like where, <laughs> this is not a party. Where would they even find this music? It's oh, just, man. come on, you're 20th Century Fox. You can't like shell out for something. You have some that, rights they to. They probably thought they were. <laughs> they were. Probably somebody with, you know, Fox music or whatever it is. They were like, oh, this is the next big band. No, trust me. When you hear it, it's, it's just like. I can't a, even remember. I like tuned a, it out. It's it's no, it's not someone's bad music. It is like stock. It's like specific like background stock music they used, and it's terrible. There's my funny little specific. I like it. Quam. Well, other than that, you know, it's fun, but it's it's lacking. (laughs) Great. All right. Well, then let's see. whether it's fun or not, or whether things were fun or lacking. Outside of all that, we got a final section. (laughs) Things of note. Things of note! (laughs) This should be interesting. Just got to mention again who played the ant at the beginning. Sylvia Sidney, she's, I think, was one of the all-time greats. I'll forever know her. One of my favorite films, Beetlejuice, she plays Juno the Caseworker. Wow. Wow. So just shout out to her again. Cool. One of my favorite movies. So then I did I did have on the uh, for the A Day the commentary by, with producer Harvey Bernhard. Uh got some fun little some fun little tidbits here and there. Uh, you know, I was talking about, oh, you didn't mention what you didn't like about Bugenhagen. Oh, you're right. I didn't. <laughs> Damn it. I just... <laughs> when Which I don't even know if I want to hear it. Okay. I'll, we can put this in things of note. I mean, it's fine. It was noteworthy to me that his death was <laughs> just so... he They put him under that sand falling on him for so long that the actor is just sort of like moving his hands around back and forth through the sand being like he's like reciting something or whatever but like the sand's not getting any like deeper on him he's just sort of like moving his hands through it to like mock make it look like oh i'm struggling but it just is so it's just kind of campy weird like lame to me. Well, I didn't notice that at all because I think he was a great performance. That's what he does is Bugenhagen. He just <laughs> goes all for it and sells it. He's at any time carrying well, he, the intensity of the situation. He was doing so, his best. I'll tell you that much. Well, his best is better than best and it totally brings me into the film. And he's going so hard and trying to save the world, Tim, in his performance that he fell off the Jeep at the beginning of the film, in the filming of this film. He was driving so intensely up and down around those corners that, yeah, he fell off the Jeep. Um, (laughs) Giving it his all. Leo McKern. Cool. Uh, (laughs) That was great. (laughs) Very dedicated. Um, The director of the first one, a great Richard Donner, 
was going to do this, but then had mm. Superman obligations come up, which I have a fun uh, Richard Donner anecdote from when I met him. He's, you know, he's, he's a funny guy, all that. I forget, I was at a double screening at the Arrow. And I went up to him and asked for, uh, I said, oh, hey, can I get a quick picture? And he said, oh, sure, yeah. And he took the camera from me and like... <laughs> And like pretend like he was taking a picture of me. I wish oh my god! But it was just like total that like you could see why he was great with all those Goonies kids on the Goonies. <laughs> but is that classic joke? I'm That's, like sure. Here. <laughs> that is classic Donner. I did get a picture with him. It was cool. He was really That's, and I told great. him the Omen was one of my favorite horror movies, and he said, "Oh yeah, mine too." <laughs> so again, more classic. Yuck, like dad, yuck, dad joke central over yeah, here. He's such a yuckster. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I mentioned earlier how William Holden, he turned down the first one, which is why he's in this one. So now some of um, some of the weird stuff, the producer still seemed uh, kind of upset with uh, some of the stuff from that the, the first director who was on it. And some other decisions that the studio made, like the studio or, and the script writer, they all were... Uh, you know, how it ended up being with Damien being like a younger teenager in military academy. The producer was really, really bummed that he wasn't of high school age. He was sure that he's like, oh yeah, you could do so much more high school age because he's more closer to an adult, yada, yada. And all the while, I was kind of disagreeing with him about like, yeah. no, actually the puberty, Puberty's prime pre-puberty age. I think they should have leaned in more on it. yeah. So anyway, so I was glad he didn't. They get should that. add a they should add a Carrie esque locker room scene where somebody's just like razzing him for <laughs> yeah. you know not having gone through puberty yet or something. <laughs> You're right, or um, for or for already starting to go through it and just being like, oh, look at the weirdo. And then yeah, then he slips in the shower, gets hurt, whatever. Who's yeah, dude? I mean, him. come on, let's do it. Uh, so yeah, I was glad the producer didn't get that win, and he wants everyone to know that the. The woman who dies by Raven. Okay. He hated that red dress that she's wearing the whole movie. He's like, oh, it's so loud. Da, da, da. Who? And that was, I think, one of the one thing that he hated. That was a decision of the original director. He's like, how could you pick this red dress? He was just so funny. He's like, I want to make sure everyone knows I didn't approve this red. He is like so hung up on it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a little. So I guess it's a little loud, but I feel like, like it kind of serves the scene. <laughs> I don't know. It's like whatever. Um, oh, and then I already told you too. The last thing I had was that the ice scene that was real, no <laughs> special effects, really did travel underneath thirty or forty feet. Was his estimation? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. You know, the only thing that kind of I I spurred my attention is is Lee Grant. Like I was like, I don't really know who this person is. Um, although she's apparently pretty famous. Um, but a couple of little things that I saw about her in the first time we see her in the movie, they like they did her they did her dirty with her makeup. Like they messed up her makeup. And like I don't know if she had had a facelift or something, but there's this like streak on her jawline um that just looks it just looks crappy. It's like they just just did not do her makeup well and it annoyed me um but it got me thinking like who is she and like what like what's her story um i'm not gonna go into it very much the one like little anecdote i found is that like for years and years and years 
the question of how old she was would constantly come up and she, I guess, just would dodge it. So it was this big mystery of how old she was. So much so that there's like a video of her from like, I don't know, when she's in her 80s or something being like, finally Lee Grant opens up about how her actual age. It's like, can we just stop with this bullshit? Like, stop shaming women about their age. Who gives a fuck? Like, are they good? Do they do like, are they doing what they want to do? Great. Who cares? Give yeah. it a rest. I I agree entirely. And I'm conflicted because I f- feel like that's both good to point out, but at the same time, bringing it up at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It perpetuates it. I had no idea. I didn't care. It's, it, didn't, I, it didn't even occur to me. It was just something I like, as I looked her up, I was like, why is everybody making a big deal out of nothing? So... <laughs> which is yeah which is that i want to say exactly you know like, right? like god <laughs> no as in like i don't know that's why it's like i don't know whatever no film world is i mean the world world is unkind to women often i find unnecessarily unkind anyway that's all i had <laughs> my little lee grant uh diatribe all right, then with that, we can bury the Omen 2 under a frozen lake for now and move <laughs> on with our recommendations. Hmm, what do you have? Just been catching up with some stuff on my watch list. I had such a joyful blast watching from 2016, actually with our new bud, Lucy Boynton from Apostle. She's in everything. <laughs> well, inc- I see her all over the place. <laughs> Including, have you seen Sing Street? Yeah, I really liked it. Isn't it so good? Yeah. It was, it's so much fun. Just the kind of like, we gotta put a band together and write songs. Yep. Like, just being on that adventure with these these kids, it was, it was so much fun. What more could you ask? Right? Like, really fun ending. The guy from, uh, that was the, the boyfriend in Midsommar is the older brother in it. Um. He was good. The, wait, the boy, Christian, the guy who plays Christian? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What do we call him? Man, he's so unlikable in that movie. The worst boyfriend ever. Yeah, <laughs> really. We like, called him something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What did I watch recently? You know what I got back into, which I've already recommended, it is uh, that show Alone. Is this your recommendation? No, I don't know. The new season of Alone? I don't want to do that. But it's still fun. Uh, it's also fun to follow up, Tim, when we've checked out each other's recommendations. Mm. I watched uh, I watched the first, I mean, however many episodes are out of uh, Loki. Was oh, great. did you? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it fun? Is I can't believe how much better. And I watched WandaVision too because of it. Yeah. It's these shows. They're, they're their own thing. So much Even better than in the world. I feel like they're so much better than the movies. Like, as far as just me... Yeah, more time, more space to play around. Oh, that's a different discussion. Yeah. As far as the level in which they engage with the characters, like, the whole thing with Loki being, like, challenging him on on whether or not he enjoys killing people. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, in the... When you see him first and you don't know that, in in the the films, it's just like, oh, no, they're just kind of cartoon characters... They don't exist in reality. That wouldn't be an issue someone would have. But it's cool. It addresses on that level. And same with Wanda and WandaVision. Like, it was the first time watching a Marvel thing where the big end battle 
like I was actually invested in. Yeah. Because of all the character emotional stakes. They had cool. to change a bunch of things too because of COVID for that whole end of that uh, series. Well, too, you, which it, you wouldn't, you would never know. No. I actually, I, I saw a thing. I think some of the, just the circumstances ended up forcing them to make better, even better decisions ultimately, because they were going to have Dr. Strange show up in the finale and kind of like save the day a little bit. And like, I guess the producers were like, that kind of feels antithetical to what we're saying with this movie or with this series about Wanda becoming her own person, right? If some other dude who's powerful shows up and helps out, it, kind of detracts from her just character, to make people it? go this is what exactly. the movies go make people go oh, oh my god yeah. but circumstantially because of covid benedict cumberbatch could not come to where they were filming and so it forced them into going well this we should do this instead and actually this is better so i i like stuff like that that's that's always nice um hmm what should i recommend dead bro i don't know um all right, I found something. I thought I had recommended this before because it's so good, and I really like the stuff that this director has done. Um, it's called Blue Ruin. It's uh, directed by Jeremy Solnier. Solnier? Solnier? I don't know. Um, he did Green Room. I'm aware. Yeah. I love and, both Blue Ruin and Green Room. Yeah. He also did... I've seen, actually... Let's, oh, well... The, I've, Murder Party was the one. Oh, I, Murder Party, so good. It's fun, yeah. <laughs> I feel, did I not recommend that, that once? Maybe I just talked about it. And he did one called Hold the Dark, which I enjoyed. I have not like watched Net- Hold Netflix, the Dark yet. Netflix one, I think. That's, I haven't watched that. I'm so glad you've seen Murder Party, though. I really like that I one. like Murder Party <laughs> a lot, too. Anyway, but Blue Ruin, man, I stumbled upon that one night a number of years ago, whenever it was, and was completely like, jaw on the floor like whoa what did i find here this is incredible so get into it it's really fun if you like green room this has got sort of a similar i guess almost intense tone to it and it's like really intense (laughs) but cool it's super cool featuring the older brother from home alone oh my god yeah who I met once. <laughs> really? Yeah. He came into the bar I worked at in New York once and we all just hung out at the end of the bar like doing movie trivia. <laughs> He'd be good for that. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Seemed cool. like a nice enough dude. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, check it out. Great. Check that out. And now we're going to see what we're going to check out next week from Tim pulling from our hat. Am I pulling? Oh, gosh. How exciting. <laughs> Hang on here. I can't even- all right let me dig in i'm just gonna go i'm gonna go in and out real fast no swirling around just in and out here we go kapoo strange circus japanese 2005 never heard of it (laughs) this is at the top of your list tim (laughs) um I forget why I put this on here. You know Uh-oh. I did because it's of course Japanese. <laughs> um, Strange 
Oh, duh. It's because it's a Sion Sono movie. Oh, he, okay. I, there's a couple Sion. He's the director of um, X-Day Hair Extensions. Okay. All right. And we have another one in here with him too. Um, but he's the director of one of my like top five movies called Love Exposure. I love. Oh yeah, yeah. You t- you love, talked about love, that. love Exposure. So anything that like you know had horror as one of the genre tags on his films, I probably just added into our hat. Oh yeah, drama horror. It says okay, cool, great. Also I'm excited. I've been wanting to see <laughs> see a new film of his for a while. Or cool. I haven't seen. Great. Great. Grand. Well, we hope you join us for that. Please check it out in time. Strange Circus. Please do. And uh, if not, either way, we do thank you for being here. And if not, either way, we thank you for being here, whether or not you uh, tell a friend, which is our other big ask. Yeah. 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 You know, just tell, tell, listen, just tell a friend. <laughs> or not. We're happy to have you here. Either way, as I just said. Do your thing. Great. Uh you have can... you seen our Instagram? Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. Check it out. We put stuff on there. That's right. Huh. There. We're gonna ask you about that too. What Please is it? That. It's dismembering horror. That's it. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Easy Tim. to find. All right. Well, in closing, whether you think you'd uh try to help Damien or just stab him with twelve daggers, we thank you for being here. Yes, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>